Well, it is happy hour this week on Blabbit in the Bluegrass. We're going to start you out with beer and then progress to the wine. That's right. Our journey begins at Henderson Brewing Company. We'll be speaking with brewmaster Doug Laramie, a man who had a dream and a talent, and with a lot of hard work, that dream became a reality. We're going to find out what has made his establishment such a huge success over just a little over three years in existence and learn about the satisfying flavor sensations being produced at his brew house. And from there, we will swing you down to Rockfield in good old Warren County, just outside Bowling Green, where we will find Traveler Cellar Winery, another fairly new attraction, which is already thriving, thanks to its rightful owner, Derek Huff. He will explain why from sweet to dry and everything in between, they've got you covered in the wine department, and if the drinks weren't enough, the scenery is just icing on the cake. So, let's raise our glass to a thirst-quenching episode 5 of Blabbit in the Bluegrass Season 5. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Nebo to Nicholasville, Nortonville to North Corbin, we've absolutely got you covered right here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass as we thoroughly and thoughtfully explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. I'm Sam Moore here at the Hospitable, highly acclaimed North Quail Motel in Stunning, Henderson KY, and today we're going to take you on a beer and wine adventure because Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, sure, they all have their place, but sometimes we just need something off the beaten path, and that's where Henderson Brewing Company comes into play. And uh, brewmaster Doug Laramie has been concocting craft beer creations on a commercial scale for a little over three years and uh, in his home long before that. So we're going to learn about some of these and find out about the atmosphere we can expect from Henderson Brewing Company when we set foot in there. Notice I didn't say if because after listening to Doug, I know that it will be a matter of when for you. And after we visit with Doug, we're going to take you to Rockfield in Warren County where we will find Traveler Cellar Winery. And as owner Derek Huff will tell you, there are a number, and I do mean a number, of wines being skillfully produced across the Commonwealth. Plenty of varieties to choose from, but if you've never had Traveler's Cellar wine, rest assured it will be different from any other Kentucky wine that you've tasted to this point. So we will tell you what makes it so unique and what makes Traveler's Cellar such a beautiful and therapeutic place to visit. So you won't want to miss 
our uh, chat with Derek. We will get to him after we visit with Doug from Henderson Brewing Company. And before that, I have for you this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. The goal is to do one of these each and every week. This time is no exception, so we'll give you the question now. We will reveal the answer at the end of the show. Now, if all you've ever listened to is rock music, you may think that the Kentucky-bred band Exile was a one-hit wonder thanks to their 1978 smash single, Kiss You All Over. But afterwards, they went on to enjoy a tremendous amount of success on the country chart. So I want to know, what was Exile's first number one single after reinventing themselves as a country band? Again, I want to know, what was Exile's first number one single after reinventing themselves as a country music band? So, you get the juices flowing and the wheels spinning. We will reveal the answer in the program's final segment. And now, Blabbit in the Bluegrass brings you a local business landmark. It's a crown jewel in downtown Henderson, specializing in great-tasting craft beer creations you're simply not going to find anywhere else. They call themselves... Henderson Brewing Company, and here with us now is someone who would know a thing or two about it. It's the brewmaster himself. Let's hear it for Doug Laramie. Well, I appreciate that introduction. We are so pumped that you've joined us, but now I must say, Doug, I knew that I would not have to twist your arm too hard to talk about beer. I love it. First off, Doug, why don't you tell us um, when and how you were first bitten by the craft brew bug? Yeah. So moved here in 2010, and I moved from a very large beer town, St. Louis. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most people just know it for Anheuser-Busch, but it has a, a developing craft beer scene that in 2010 was great. Uh, it's even more so now. I haven't really been back as much as I would like, but the craft breweries that are there, I'm hearing about here. So that's a good thing. But moving here from St. Louis, my craft options were somewhat limited. Right. So later, a couple months after we moved there, Sarah got me a Mr. Beer kit. Mm. And I tell you, that really is what got me started because I made that first beer in that Mr. Beer kit. It was a, a gallon kit and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, awful. you had to start somewhere, didn't you? <laughs> but, you know, I drank it and I'm thinking the whole time, this is cool. I just made this beer. It's awful, but I'm no. going to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> as bad as it was, you were proud of it. <laughs> right, right. Sure. Then it got me thinking, you know, there's got to be a way to make better beer. So I started researching i bought different ingredients i bought fresh yeast and you know the second beer that i brewed i used a different yeast than what came with the mr beer kit and it made a huge difference the third beer i brewed i didn't even use the kit you know i just used extract and bought my own hops and boiled it and that's when it really you know i took that first drink of that third beer and take a drink and your bottom lip starts to quiver and you think, oh man, 
This is something special. <laughs> That's how you knew you were doing something right. That's right. <laughs> yes, indeed. And as time went on, you got more and more independent and creative, and it's all thanks to the Mr. Brew Kit. <laughs> right. <laughs> or else we wouldn't be sitting here talking about Brew Co. Now, I know that, uh, like you just mentioned, you were concocting uh, splendid beer sensations in the uh, the comfort of your own home well before Henderson Brewing Company was fathomed, Doug. So why don't you talk to me about the the uh, steps that you took um, and the resources that you used to help you master your craft, in addition to the, the Mr. Beer Kit. Yes. So there are a plethora of books available on how to homebrew. Plus, taking it a step further, there are plenty of resources available to anybody you know, about commercial brewing. Uh, and what I did is I read everything I could get a hold of. And it also was a lot of trial and error as well. You, know, you do things, things don't turn out the way you thought they might. So you tweak it a little bit and things turn out a little better the next time. And then you read about why what you changed made things for the better. And it just, it was one thing after the next. You learn how to do one thing, then you learn how to do it better. And yeah. that's where it, it just naturally progressed. And after, I'd say, after about the first year, you start thinking in the back of your head, you know, I could sell this. You know, I, could, I could do this. I could open a brewery. Sure. And at that point, it was a pipe dream. And honestly... <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it, the last four years have been a blur. It still pinch myself at times. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it was just yesterday when you got that thing up and running, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> As you mentioned um, uh, just a second ago, with the progression of time, you felt a growing desire to uh, open a commercial brewery, Doug. So why don't you describe how the... Uh, Henderson Brew Co. concept first came to be and explain what uh, ultimately inspired you to run with it. Sure. So it actually, honestly, it started on Facebook. Austin <laughs> Bowles, who is co-owner and lawyer and general legal counsel for Henderson Brewing Company, he posted on Facebook a picture in the Henderson Beer Club, a picture of a conference that he attended. It said, how to, how to help your client start a brewery in Kentucky. Mm. You know, that, that post course got a lot of, a lot of views and I posted on there. So I've got some award winning recipes to sell you. And the next day I get a message from Sean, which is another one of our co-owners. Oh yeah. Sean Wilder. Yeah. Asking me if I would like to, to have a conversation and have a meeting about starting a brewery in Henderson. It's like, well, you know what? Sure. Why not? You know, I'll, I'll offer some advice and some general counsel on, in general, I, I never thought that I would be a key member of, of the group. Uh -huh. I just thought, yeah, like, I'll give some people some pointers and, you know, maybe, maybe sell one of my recipes. Yeah. And it just kind of grew from there. We had our first meeting and it was just a general meet and greet. I met David Osborne for the first time that day. Right. Another one of your co-owners. That's right. And we left that meeting. Each of us had a task to do before the next meeting. And I left that meeting, went home and talked to Sarah, my wife, and she said, you know, how did, how did it go? I said, it was all right. You know, we've got, we've got things that we, we have to do before our next meeting. She said, oh, you have a next meeting? I said, yeah. 
I said, hey, it'll never happen. You know, it's just a pipe dream. And <laughs> it just it naturally progressed from there. And none of us ever said, stop, no, what are we doing? It was just, what's the next step for the next meeting? And see, here we are four years later, like, uh, what's the, when's the next meeting? What do I got to get done before the meeting? <laughs> and look what became of that pipe dream. In time, uh, some of your later meetings were actually at neighboring Rock House on the River over some beers, weren't they? Indeed, yes. We didn't really, well, of course, we didn't have the building yet. And the likely place was, well, it wasn't Rock House on the River at the time. It was Rock House at Wolf's. Oh, that's true. Yes. Rock House on the River wasn't. Yeah. In existence yet. yet. So, and that is where we, we signed our paperwork to be incorporated as a business. And we had many planning meetings there as well. Now, Henderson Brewing Company uh, first opened its doors in July of 2018, and it's been thriving ever since. So uh, what in your mind, Doug, has been the biggest key to the uh, tremendous success and enjoyment of your journey thus far? Number one, it would be the support of, of our customers, the support of the community. Uh, before we had a product to sell, people were lining up to buy stuff from us. So before we opened our doors, we introduced our founders club. And that club basically was a promise. You know, we, we'll sell you, we've got some t-shirts, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a mug and everything. But basically it was, we're going to make some beer at some point give us some money and we promise, you know, we're going to make really good beer. And we thought maybe we could get 50 people if we bugged enough people. We eventually had to cap it because we were worried we're not going to have enough room on our walls for all of these mugs. Oh, talk about a good problem to have. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the, the support from our community has been overwhelming. And to match that uh, has been our attention to quality and everything that we do. We want to meet everybody's expectations as far as what they're looking for in a brewery. You know, just because we're a small brewery doesn't mean we can't produce beers that rival those produced in around the world. Sure. Absolutely. That's a, a great attitude and a great approach to take. And I know, like you said, you've gotten great support from the locals, but you've also had a lot of traffic and business from uh, out-of-towners, haven't you? It's funny you say that. I was just thinking the other day. So the day we opened at Wednesday, July 5th, the very first customer through the door was a wanderer that happened to find us on Google somehow, walked through the door. You know, we, we, none of us recognized him and say, hey, where are you from? You know, we don't, we don't recognize you. He said, I'm from North Carolina. I just driving through and I saw you on Google. I said, oh my goodness. You are literally our first customer. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, of all the customers that have walked through your door, many of whom are locals, <laughs> your first one was from North Carolina. <laughs> right, right. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's just some by story. Luck, by happenstance, he found us on Google and the door was open. Well, I'm telling you, that was a that was a win-win for you and him, I'd say. <laughs> anyhow, what a cool story. Now, the building, which houses Bruco, Doug, features uh, an extremely unique and fascinating history. So uh, if you would discuss the building's 
historic past along with your efforts to honor and preserve it. Yes. So when we bought the building, it was a flower shop. You know, we walked in and it had green carpeting, uh, low drop ceilings. The key was to, to look beyond and see the potential. And we bought the building, did a little research on it and found out that for most of its life, our building has been a tavern. And that tavern's name was Bright Spot. Bright Spot. Bright Spot. And that, that really got us thinking like, maybe we should name a beer after this <laughs> right <laughs> even more like there are a lot of old brewer or not breweries but taverns and bars and clubs that don't exist anymore and that's knowing our building's history what brought us to our our general naming scheme of naming our beers after after bars around town when eventually we found out that that well the earliest record we can find of our building is 1892 and it was already built and a business was operating in it at the time so it's at least older than 1892 yeah <laughs> so there is a definite history with the building itself and when we did our remodeling we wanted to preserve that history and showcase it uh -huh. so we brought it down to as raw walls as we could get safely, we started realizing that some of the, the mortar was really starting to, to come apart. So in places, we got some brick exposed, but for the most part, we left as much as we found it once we took the drywall down. And what, what we've got is just an absolute beautiful building on the inside even with not as much exposed brick as we wanted, because we really wanted all the brick, but there's so much character there, we couldn't really take anything else down. Yeah, and so much charm for a building that's over 130 years old. And right. <laughs> so there's you know, plenty, plenty to be proud of and plenty to experience. Uh, for those in our audience who have yet to experience one of Bruco's delicious dandies, Tell us, Mr. Laramie, what separates your craft beer from others they may have sipped and sampled? And I kind of touched on that earlier, and it's our attention to quality, in my opinion. Sure. Everything that we do, every, every decision I make is from a, a standpoint of quality. Um, and also, when we, when we opened and when we started, we wanted to be what's called two style breweries. So we wanted to brew a lot of our beers to the style as they're supposed to be represented rather than changing things, throwing weird different ingredients in. Now we have done that, but first I wanted to educate a lot of people that maybe weren't into craft beer just yet. We wanted to start a baseline to help mm. people understand this is what this style is supposed to be. You know, eventually maybe we'll throw some weird and fun stuff in there and, and really test your limits on what that style can be. But we wanted to make sure that everybody understood what the base styles were supposed to be. So probably for the first year or so, we really didn't get too exotic with our ingredients or our styles because there, there are really great flavors 
on a, in a basic recipe and a basic beer because there oh, are yeah. so many different styles. Yep, and when you're when you're first getting used to craft beer, you know it's best to sip some simple stuff first, right? <laughs> right, and I, I've said it before that sometimes there is complexity in the simplicity of the recipe. You don't have to have 10 different malts. You don't have to have 10 different hops to have that, that complexity that can be. A number of signature year-round staples have become synonymous with Henderson Brewing Company since 2018. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like for us to spotlight a few of those. So how about a, a description of the following? And let's start with that Bright Spots IPA. Yes, yes. So Bright Spot, of course, is the name of our building. So we wanted to make sure that we showcased it on one of our core beers. So a beer that in general was going to be around as long as we're around. And Bright Spot IPA is a, a very hoppy, balanced, bitter ale uh, that definitely we, we have changed the recipe since we initially opened. And I did that with a lot of uh, reflection. Um, but you know, I wasn't really happy with that recipe to begin with. And I found one after a lot of experimentation that I'm very happy with, very proud of. So we went ahead and rebranded that recipe as Bright Spot. And you'll see it on some of our social media as Bright Spot 2.0. So that one's going to be around a lot more than it used to be in the past. Let's switch gears, shall we? And tell our listeners a little bit about your Bridgeview English style extra special bitter. So Bridgeview is the style. It's an English pale ale. Now, it is amber in color, but uh, as, as I tell people all the time, don't let that color scare you. It is very balanced. It's very easy drinking. We have a number of people that when they first came in claim that they only drink Bud Light and Bridgeview is their go-to beer now. Ah. It, is, it is most definitely a, a crowd pleaser. At the same time, it is chock full of flavor. It is a malt forward beer, so it's not heavily hopped, but it is very interesting based on the, the malt choices. So it definitely has a, a somewhat sweet yet balanced bitter flavor. And I think we do a great job at it. Uh, and I believe some objective folks have decided and agreed with us that we won a silver medal in 2019 at the Great American Beer Festival, which is the largest beer competition in the world. That's what I'm talking about. So it's kind of doing my part to put Henderson on the map. Absolutely. We we brought <laughs> home some, some uh, nationwide attention in 2019 when people from larger breweries come in and they see our medal hanging on the wall. They're, they're kind of surprised like this, this random brewery in the middle of, you know, middle of nowhere, Kentucky, not as middle of nowhere as some other towns, but still, you don't walk into a brewery over here and expect to see uh, that metal on the wall. No, <laughs> so de definitely uh, a prideful addition That's to right. your place there. And you know, if a Bud Light drinker can 
enjoy bridge view it's got to be easy to drink that's so. right that's right and <laughs> that's that's one of those recipes so we we opened with um, bright spot and bridge view but bridge view is one of the recipes that i created nine years ago and it has not changed since then and it it was one of those beers that i sent to competitions when i was a home brewer and it won medals as well and i just thought you know that think this will sell well so i want to i want to try to open up with it it was kind of a not the safest option you know when you, you look at a an amber colored beer when people are used to light yellow and no flavor and it was wasn't the safest option but I'm, I'm so glad that we opened up with it because it was the best choice oh sure and uh yeah i'd say that that recipe probably shouldn't be messed with <laughs> not, not, gonna change it. not, not gonna happen now uh onward we go sir why don't you give us a brief synopsis of your silver dollar american porter so silver dollar another beer we opened up with and it was my darker beer to help please the crowd of uh, that roasty flavor. And that is another one that we've had some Bud Light people come in and say, like, you know what? I really like that beer. And it's, it's the color that scares people. And it, a, a lot of people have been told over and over by large breweries that beer should be colorless, beer should be flavorless. Like, no, if you like coffee, you're going to like darker beers. You know, you're going to like darker malty beers. So uh, a porter is a slightly roasty, a darker, brown, wonderful beer. And Silver Dollar is our our attempt at that. <laughs> you know, and a solid attempt at that. So yeah. bottom line is uh, colors can be deceiving. <laughs> right. And we actually, uh, most recently, we have been adding coffee to it from uh, roast Coffee. Oh, roast coffee from right yeah. there downtown Henderson. Yes, yeah, doing our best to make sure that we collaborate with our local businesses and the coffee pairs really well with the porter style. So next time you uh, get your hands on a silver dollar, you'll uh, you'll enjoy a hint of coffee as well. That's right. <laughs> In the beer, which is absolutely never a bad thing. Now, last but not least, let's tell our listeners a little bit about I'm going to see if I can't get this right. Trixie's Alibi Hefeweizen. Did I pronounce that right? Perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, it's happened. You even got the V for the W. <laughs> Trixie's Alibi is the, the last beer that we opened up with in, in 2018. And it has become our most popular, highest selling beer since the day we opened. Also, people love Trixie. <laughs> People love Trixie. And Bridgeview is a close second, but Trixie's is definitely first. Uh, and it is a Hefeweizen, so it has a lighter wheat beer that has flavors that showcase the yeast that is used to ferment it. And those flavors are banana and cloves. So it's kind of an interesting, very different beer than, say, some of the, the mass-produced American light lagers like Bud Light, Budweiser, Bud Light type thing. Sure. And it has gone over really, really well. And part of that is the beer itself. Part of it is people recognize Trixie, the woman herself. You know, they, they come in, they see the name, like, well, I got to have one. 
know, it, there's a there's a wonderful story behind some of these bars here in Henderson, and she is tops, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, indeed. She's a the owner of a a former bar back in the day, wasn't she? Yep, the Alibi. It was really called Alibi or the Alibi, but Trixie owned it, so people knew it as Trixie's Alibi. Gotcha. I did not know that. I knew there was a reason I had you on today, Doug. So <laughs> anyway, to uh, to compliment these craft beer creations, Bruco also offers a wide array of seasonal brews at various times of the year. So why don't you talk to us uh, a little bit about your most popular seasonal sensations from January through December and uh, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, so we we, we kind of have like a natural seasonal um, calendar based on drinking holidays. So sure. the spring drinking holiday is St. Patrick's Day. So we have two beers that we like to brew to showcase, and that is the Irish Red and Pearson Stout, Pearson's Oatmeal Stout. So those beers we have ready for St. Patrick's Day every year. Right. And they, and they sell out very quickly. Uh, and then we have our anniversary and we always try to do, which, which is around 4th of July. So it kind of coincides with a, another holiday there. Yeah. We <laughs> it's like a two for one. Fun. Yeah. We always do something fun and crazy for our anniversary. And then we, we get closer to late summer or fall. We have, you know, the Oktoberfest. So we have that beer Oktoberfest itself has sure. become one of our, our most loved, our most requested seasonal beer. You know, people start asking about it in August when other breweries Oktoberfest come out and, you know, we, we hold on to it as long as possible to make sure that it's, it's our quality is there uh, because it takes a while. We actually brew it in August to be released late September, early October. I see. So your Oktoberfest actually comes out closer to October. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Makes sense. And even though they may have to wait a little longer for your Oktoberfest than others, it's it's well worth it. I, I can't, I can't in my head, I can't get past like I'm not gonna release an Oktoberfest in August. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it just ain't gonna happen, is it? <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah, but then you've got uh, you've got some holiday beers around Christmas time, don't you? Yeah, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we always do something kind of reminiscent of the times uh, we have our our johnny series so we started off with johnny doe and this series is one that our our other brewer matt he's responsible for so he does all the recipes he does the ideas for it oh yeah shout out to matt watson yeah matt watson he takes care of some of our crazier beers uh, he's he's the yin to the yang uh, i do more to style stuff he's he's one that wants to put anything and everything in uh, so we, we do complement each other as far as that goes. There you go. Kind of evens out, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> so he takes care of the, the Johnny. The first one was Johnny Dough. Then we did Johnny Donuts, which had donuts in it. And this year we did Johnny Brunch. And we had a, a cinnamon cereal. I'm not allowed to say the name due to uh, legal reasons. A cinnamon. <laughs> I understand. Cinnamon uh, cereal. Okay. And, and some extra cinnamon added to it to really complement everything. So some very interesting brews in general, just like I said, kind of coincides with a, a natural uh, seasonal drinking holidays. Now, why don't you 
uh, give our listeners a uh, sneak preview, if you will, of maybe some new and exciting refreshments in the works at Henderson Brew Co., which may likely make its triumphant debut in the near future. Of course, yes. So if you haven't been following us, we are now canning. Ah. So we're going to be, we canned Trixie's Alibi at the end of December, beginning of January. Uh, we've got Ridgeview cans coming out very soon here. Next Wednesday, we'll be, we'll be canning up that batch. And I've got plans for our next sour beer. Sour has, beer? Yeah. Matt has suggested that we do a blueberry coconut sour. Mm. <laughs> nobody else knows that yet so that is exclusive information exclusive information for <laughs> blabbing in the bluegrass listeners and right. gosh <laughs> blueberry and coconut uh based on my experience it's always a winning combination so <laughs> I agree. It, it sounds great yes yeah, so- brings these ideas to me and i think i don't know but this one i was on board from as soon as he finished the coconut the blueberry coconut yes <laughs> you weren't it. a hard sell on that one, were you? I don't know. That sounds great. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's something for us to look forward to. Now, of all the beers, which ones do you tend to migrate towards personally there, Mr. Laramie? Yeah, personally, I have to go back to my, my old trusty Bridgeview. Oh, yeah. Got, got, got to love Bridgeview. <laughs> and, and what surprised me was last summer we brewed our first seltzer, begrudgingly it i was i did not want to do it that was not not what we wanted to do i don't want to go that way well we had enough people asking you know, maybe something that was gluten-free i thought you know what that makes sense we got people coming in that may be sensitive to gluten i want to give them an option the masses demanded it huh <laughs> so you know what after we brewed it every time i was here i was having one i was surprised <laughs> i couldn't believe it it hooked you didn't it it got me me. (laughs) see a lot of times that's uh that's part of the journey too you surprise yourself with yeah yeah with what you like and you know what what you become partial to as you go along and i know that makes it fun as well now um food and beer go hand in hand doug and if we leave henderson broco hungry it's our own fault so why don't you tell us uh, about the tasty snacks that you offer which we can pair up with a brew co beverage along with the other food options available to patrons during their visit yeah so we're not large enough to have a kitchen right we do the best we can so we have a hot dog roller and we have hot dogs and bratwurst that we we have on there cooking and sizzling uh, you'll smell them as soon as you walk through the door. We also have a quick oven that we cook soft pretzels in. Mm. And you can't go wrong with, you know, a, a nice looking soft pretzel, a little bit of salt on top of it. Oh, no. We also have a signature snack mix called firecracker. It is a spicy cheese cracker mix. Firecracker. Yeah. <laughs> even more appropriate around the 4th of July. (laughs) That's right. We we encourage people to bring in their own food or have food delivered because, you know, we understand our our food options are very limited. 
So yeah, so that's a nice you're feature. To bring, we have we had somebody bring in a crock pot of uh, a roast one day. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> roast at Brooke potatoes and carrots and everything. Like, bring in whatever you want. <laughs> so you can bring in whatever you want, have it delivered. If uh, the uh, establishment offers delivery, you can have it delivered right there to Broco. And it's worth mentioning that uh, Rock House Pizza on the river is uh, right next door to you. They're a little bit of a, a long walk away, but yes. A long walk, yeah. but <laughs> maybe right next door, maybe a, a little a little loose there, but it's, it's close <laughs> enough that you can still pick it up from rock house and oh yeah take it to bro co and it'll still be nice and hot so right. <laughs> well doug this has been great and uh thanks so much for coming along for the ride now before we let you go in 30 seconds or less and we're not going to hold you to it but <laughs> but uh give us your best sales pitch for henderson brewing company as the perfect place to escape exhale and enjoy I like to tell people we have world-class beers in your backyard. You know, our, our slogan on our logo is brewers of fine beers. And we honestly live up to that. So I appreciate you coming down. I appreciate you giving us a try and I hope you enjoy it. Their beer speaks for itself. So pay them a visit and you'll be glad you did. You can check them out online at hendersonbrewco.com. They are also at your service on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. So they're all over the social media realm. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners where you're located in Henderson, Doug? We are at 737 Second Street. We're just a little bit off downtown a little bit, but you are not going to miss us. Big Big old building on the corner, big white sign on the side. You yes, <laughs> they stand out. And if you, you know, if you uh, get lost, there's plenty of locals that can steer you in the right direction. So, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or you can give Doug a call. But anyway, let's, uh, let's cover those Bruco hours, shall we? Yes. So we are, the only day we are closed is Monday. Right. Tuesday through Thursday, we're four to eight. That's a soft close. Uh, Friday, we're four to 10. Saturday, noon to 10. Sunday, noon to 8. Doug, I've had big fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful place to mix, mingle, meet up with friends, and make new friends. Henderson Brewing Company, where regardless of your taste or style, they are guaranteed to have something designed with you in mind. And I will link you to their website in my show notes as well, so you can learn even more about Doug and his phenomenal crew. They would love nothing more than to see you and your smiling face ASAP. And if you're not smiling when you go in there, I can assure you that you will be on the way out the door after getting your share of their tasty temptations. So now that we've consumed beer to our heart's content, how about we drink our dessert at the soon-to-be legendary Traveler's Cellar Winery. It's yet another blabbing in the Bluegrass Tourist Temptation. Well, today we are privileged to be featuring a winery in Warren County, which is fairly new, but it's already thriving. It is um, one of Warren County's best-kept secrets. In fact, one of 
Kentucky's best kept secrets. And that's why I invited the rightful owner to chat with us about it today. And he is none other than Mr. Derek Huff. Oh, thanks, Sam. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Oh, Derek, doing great. Uh, especially now that you're here. Of course, I spent uh, six years combined there with a little gap in between while I was going to Western. And of course, uh, I uh, was born and raised in Henderson, and that's where I am now. But you've uh, you've lived down there pretty much all your life, haven't you? All but uh, all but my time in the Marine Corps. Yes, that definitely meets the the criteria for being a local. Well, I can't wait to hear all about the Traveler Cellar Winery. Now, first, Derek, uh, why don't you talk to me a little bit about your uh, personal background? You mentioned. Uh, your time in the Marine Corps. So why don't you expand on that a little bit and tell me what sparked your desire to enter the wine business, sir? Sure. Yeah, well, it's a it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, so I, I am a Warren Countyan. I grew up here, went to school here, went to Western Kentucky University, eventually did graduate from there. I was a vocal music major, uh, and that sort of thing. And when I when I first went, and then when I went back, it was for a business related degree. But um, after about three semesters at Western Kentucky University, I, I ended up uh, I joined the Marine Corps, which was my my love uh, and what I wanted to do out of high school. Sure. Um, joined the Marine Corps. I I was a uh, infantry Marine. I did uh, two combat tours in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. I was a drill instructor, got to do a lot of different things, travel the world. Um, I've seen 26 countries. Uh, and, and how many um, people can say that? <laughs> well, I'm always trying to, you know, uh, visit some more. We, we love to travel, but I left, I met my beautiful wife uh, while I was stationed in the high desert of California. Yeah, Desiree, uh, right? That's right, Desiree. And uh, we, we met down there. Uh, and at the time, you know, I was really... Get more into beer or, or bourbon and that's gotcha <laughs> coke and she slowly uh got me turned on to, to wine and the, the nuances the 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 things to appreciate about quality wine and over the years uh, we've been married uh over eight uh well over 17 years going on 18 now and oh, congratulations thank you thank you and um we've during that time we've traveled all over the world we've been different places and different wine regions and fell in love with uh you know the, the romanticism of wine and what makes wine such a unique beverage and uh fast forward a little bit uh you know retired from the marine corps moved back uh, to warren county to manage uh my father's business uh, here in town and i did that for six years but while i was doing that desiree and i were still traveling around the world and and um uh, the, the home that we purchased while we were here just happened to have a 2700 bottle wine cellar ah when we purchased it uh we fell in love with the home but the wine cellar was definitely a, a big selling feature sure. um and and uh so we uh we started hobby winemaking because we wanted to try to fill the cellar it was always looking puny down there we could never collect more than about 100 bottles so uh, we started hobby winemaking we planted some vines and by the end of that year 2018 we uh, were so infatuated with every aspect of wine and winemaking that we decided to turn our hobby into a business. Derek, why don't you take us through the steps by which you mastered the art of winemaking, my friend? 
I'm, I'm humble. I'm humbled to use the word master. That's probably something I will never, <laughs> ever do. Uh, it is, you know, it is uh, something you have to continue to learn every day, much, much like any profession. Uh, You're never done much, learning, are you? Absolutely not. Uh, and so on that point, uh, you know, when I first got started hobby winemaking, I started picking up every book I could find, watching every video I could, picking, picking other winemakers' brains and that sort of thing. And now, even still, three years into uh, my hobby turn business, I'm going back to school. So I'm, I'm, I'm now attending uh, UC Davis uh, and their program of uh, uh, winemaking. Oh, so um, you, never, you never stop learning. That's cool. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm guessing pretty much all your UC Davis stuff is online then. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing that commute to, uh, to that would be, but, uh, if you had to, if you had to do it once a semester, maybe you could swing it, but any, any more often than that would be a bit of a pain. But what's great is, you know, I get to, you know, with the professors and the, and the, the winemakers there in California, we get to do just like we're doing now through zoom uh, and audio chat and that sort of thing. There you go. So you can <laughs> communicate with the teachers and uh, participate in the discussions just as, as if you were there. Well, <laughs> that's cool stuff. It's good to know that UC Davis is uh, lending a hand to your winemaking education. Now, uh, you sort of touched on this a little bit ago, but why don't you uh, explain more about the story of how Traveler's Cellar Winery got its unique name? And I'm sure that cellar that came with the house <laughs> had a lot to do with it, right? You got it. Yeah. Uh, so as as we would travel around to different wine regions and uh, we would always bring wine back with us and we would we would bring it home, put it down in the cellar. And we we'd love to have friends come over for dinner and take them down to the cellar, pull out a bottle, have it with dinner, talk to them about where the wine came from, what was happening that year in the vineyard and that sort of thing. And so when we started making wine as a hobby and putting it down there, the same thing, we would tell a story about how we made that wine and, and so on and so forth. And uh, once we decided to have a winery, we thought about all of our travels and all the places that we've been and the story of how we got started with our hobby. And it just made sense, uh, you know, our love of travel, our passion uh, for wine, and that is stored down in our cellar. And we like to pull that out and share with everyone. Well, cool beans. And, and plus, speaking of travelers coming to Traveler's Cellar, I'm sure you probably get a ton of visitors from other places, don't you? We really do. We, we see a lot of uh, north to south traffic, especially, you know, when when uh, weather gets a little too chilly up north. Uh, we have a, a lot of visitors from Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, uh, but we are definitely starting to see uh, an uptick of uh, travelers coming from south to north and uh, and across the state, you know, uh, interstate travel, um, seeing a lot of that. Uh, right now, our ratio is about 50 percent are coming from out of state and 50% of our customers are within. Oh, so about half and half. Well, that's uh, that's one of the perks of uh, Bowling Green being right there on uh, on 65. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they can just, uh, you know, float right to you. And you're, uh, you're pretty close to the interstate yourself there, aren't you? We are. Uh, it's right about 10 miles from I-65. Okay, uh, so yeah, pretty we've close got, we've to got, the exit. 
Yeah, we've got signs now uh, up on uh, the I-165 and signs on uh, 6880 and all the way to our property. So it's pretty easy to find us. There you go. So <laughs> not hard at all to get to Derek and uh, Desiree and the fine folks at uh, Traveler Cellar Winery. Now, Traveler Cellar celebrated its grand opening in August of 2019 and uh, has since been thriving in spite of the pandemic. So uh, explain to us, Mr. Huff, how you've developed such a large and loyal base of customers during this time frame. Yeah, we we, uh, we opened, yeah, five months before the pandemic happened. Uh, little did we know that, uh, you know, everyone was going to face such an unusual time. Yeah, talk um, about a curveball. Yeah, I, I probably would have held off that grand opening for a little while, but, uh, you know, being, being what it is, knowing what we know now, uh, I, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, we, we did open August 19, um, and throughout the pandemic, we did have to uh, change uh, course, change direction a little bit. We started offering, uh, you know, curbside delivery. We started doing local uh, delivery um, and you just had to flex a little bit and, and make some changes in that aspect. But you know what? We had we had really, really uh, great sales throughout that time, and people were still wanting the product. They knew it was a quality product. But the reason uh, I think we did so well was truly from word of mouth. Uh, we, we do some social media uh, advertising and, and posts and that sort of thing, but really what is... What's great about this community and Bowling Green, Warren County, is the, the level of support of small businesses and word travels fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, plus during the pandemic, when it was uh, at its height, a lot of us were home a lot and we had plenty of time to sip and sample different wines. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that didn't hurt either. Plus, you know you've got a a quality product there so that uh, that always helps too now uh for those Derek who have yet to experience the ambiance of the winery describe what makes Traveler Cellar such a soothing and scenic destination you know, most wineries, vast majority of the wineries, are, are located in a in a rural area. They're gonna they're gonna be in farmland, and uh, so it's gonna be a, a bit of a, a jaunt, a bit of a drive out to where you're going. And we are we are in that situation. We are we are located uh, right in the middle of agricultural uh, land, so it's beautiful beautiful scenic drive coming to the property. But uh, even that being said, we're only five minutes from the Bowling Green city limits. Uh, when you come to the property, it is small. We are only a total of five acres and uh, one acre of grapevines. Uh, but most wineries will purchase a property first, specifically for having a winery there. We didn't have that option as right. our house is located on the same property. We have the winery. The winery was, uh, was something we decided to do after we moved here. So we do have our, our charming 126 year old home right here on the property. Uh, but what's unique is uh, the room located just above our wine cellar used to be the dining room. Well, three of the four walls are covered in, in very tall windows. So when you're sitting in the tasting room, looking out on the property, the grapevines are no more than 20 feet away from the windows. So it's, 
it's right in your face as you're sitting in the tasting room sipping the wine you get to enjoy the views uh, that grew the grapes that you're that you're tasting so that is one interesting aspect of our property um, but the, the views are beautiful we have lots of trees um, and we, we do our best to keep the grounds uh, nice and neat and that sort of thing but it is a lot to take care of with primarily just two people <laughs> oh no doubt <laughs> now uh, with with countless different wines being produced across the Commonwealth um, tell us Derek what distinguishes traveler cellar wine from all those other wannabes well there's there's some absolutely quality wine produced across the state oh yeah hands, hands hands down, internationally award-winning wines. Uh, I, I cannot sit here and tell you that our wine is uh, is better than this or better than that, but we are proud of what we produce. Uh, we, What we do commonly hear from a lot of the customers is that um, everything that they taste here is just different. It's a different uh, flavor profile uh, or some flavors are more pronounced or uh, they like the balanced acidity in, in this in this one wine over some others that they've tried somewhere else. So um, we do produce a unique product, and I, primarily with wine, what what makes that unique are the million different choices that the winemaker can take during the winemaking process. So right, every single winemaker uh, in the state is going to produce something very unique, very different and, and very enjoyable. So I'm just, I'm thrilled to be a part of this, uh, this growing community. There you go. So what we can, what we can sip and sample at travel seller, traveler's seller will be, uh, <laughs> different from anything else we've ever had. So <laughs> you betcha. Absolutely. <laughs> that, uh, that's something to be proud of for sure. Now, uh, although we can't possibly go wrong, Derek, with any of your one-of-a-kind wines, a number of them are proud award winners, so uh, I thought we'd highlight some of them, and I'd like for you to describe each of these following honorable medal winners, and let's start, sir, with your Vignoles wine. Yes, uh, so Vignoles is a uh, French-American hybrid grape that that does grow well in this in this region, in this uh, old hardiness zone. And uh, Vignoles, when produced as a uh, off-dry to even semi-sweet wine, is very, very similar to a, a German Riesling. And it, for the first year in business, uh, Vignoles was our uh, number one seller. It was always a go-to for anybody that just wanted something somewhere right in the middle on the sweetness scale. That's what they go to. So it, it is a it light, refreshing, crisp uh, white wine. Gotcha. So it's a nice, happy medium. Well, Vignoles, I left out the Y there. You can tell I'm not a wine <laughs> pronunciation expert, but that's uh, that's why we brought you on board today. But I think I can handle the next one, Derek. Let's talk yeah. about your Red Beard Honey Wine. In this, this is a mead. Uh, so uh, mead, honey wine, has been produced for near 8,000 years that we know of. It's one of the oldest uh, known alcoholic beverages um, that, that has been produced. So it is, a, it does not have grapes in it. It is a honey wine. And um, uh, it's a little tongue in cheek with the name there, but uh, you know, the Vikings were known to have made mead uh, uh, for, for, you know, thousands of years. And 
Um, there is a famous Viking, the Red Beard. I happen to have a Red Beard. So oh, actually, yeah. our, our bottle of Red Beard wine has a Viking sail ship on the front. And all of our labels have a travel-related image on the, on the label. But uh, that is a very unique uh, mead. It uh, was dry hopped, much like a beer, and then it has uh, juniper berries and hibiscus. Uh, and so it was just a very, very unique uh, honey wine that, that did uh, win silver medal last year at the, at the state wine competition. Now let's try this next one, Derek. Is it Gavort's? You got it. Oh, uh, we, <laughs> accidents happen. Well, you know, we, uh, we shortened the name. You know, the, the full name of the grape is Gewurztraminer. Uh, so we we shortened that down a little bit and made it a little funny looking, uh, so people have fun. We appreciate that though. <laughs> yeah, and and Gewurztraminer is a uh, it is an uh, right in between also or like an off dry to semi sweet uh, white wine uh, that is often produced in in Austria, Germany, in that in that region. Uh, but it is again uh, much like the Vignole, it's it's an easy to sip. Uh, crisp white wine very enjoyable in the summertime there you go and that was uh, that was one of the 2020 award winners was it not it was a uh 2021 it was last year oh yep. just last year okay so <laughs> another one from last year well <laughs> way to go Gavortz. now uh on top of the aforementioned specialties that we've just covered you produce uh, a number of additional wines which are undoubtedly future award winners and I looked at their titles and they definitely seemed intriguing to me so uh, let's tell our listeners about a few of these starting with your Big Red blend. Yeah, Big Red is a, uh, a Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot blend that we age in bourbon barrels uh, from Dueling Grounds Distillery in Franklin, Kentucky. Uh, so we, as, as much as possible, we, we like to uh, showcase and use local products and reuse them uh, for sustainability and that sort of thing. Um, but that is a, a, a nice, bold, uh, very dry red wine um, that has just the slightest hint uh, of that toasted bourbon barrel. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it ages well. Uh, tends to uh, get better after uh, many months in the bottle and uh, great with uh, great with r red meat meals. Okay, so keep that in mind next time you're planning your dinners for the uh, week, you know, <laughs> make sure you pair that Big Red blend with some red meat. So the name Big Red blend has nothing to do with you being a hilltopper. <laughs> Well, it, it, it does a bit, and I appreciate you mentioning that. Actually, uh, we donate a dollar from each bottle sold of uh, Big Red Blend uh, to a scholarship for a veteran attending Western Kentucky University. Oh, cool. So, so it is a play on words. There you go. So anytime you buy a bottle of, of Big Red Blend, you're, uh, you're supporting a good cause and giving scholarship money to uh, a deserving recipient. Well, uh, that's another added incentive. Let's switch gears a little bit, Derek, and hit on your Bowerberry wine. Yeah, and so it, it is also a play on words. We call it Burberry because it's it's a cranberry. Oh, Burberry, gotcha. Yeah, okay. well, you wouldn't know unless we knew the story, so right. we're telling the story. <laughs> it's, a, <laughs> it's a cranberry blueberry wine uh, blended that's, that's aged in, in bourbon barrels, but it is on the sweeter side. So it's, it's a nice tart but sweet uh, refreshing berry wine. Uh, and 
it has been sold out for a little while, but we are bringing it back this spring and we're excited to do that because it was, it was a big, big uh, hit in the tasting room. Okay. So Burberry is uh, about to make its triumphant return. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just in time before the, before it gets hot outside. <laughs> yes, indeed. Couldn't, couldn't be any better timing. Now being right there in Southern Kentucky, I can imagine this next one is quite popular. Let's touch a little bit on your sweet tea wine. This was a creation uh, uh, that that I started from the from the ground up, and it was actually um, inspired by a, a little cookbook from the '50s that I found. And in the back of the cookbook, there is this little blurb about uh, how how some uh, Southern ladies used to save back their used tea bags and make this concoction that was fermented and you, something you can enjoy sipping on the porch and it was a tea wine and I thought man that is so unique that is so interesting and so I played around with uh, many different versions of this and got it to a point where it was it was something that was really quite enjoyable so it is I use I use tea uh, same tea that uh the big name uh, tea companies use uh, it's a it's a Sri Lankan tea, a Ceylon um, or a black pico tea, and uh, that is steeped in a in a giant stainless steel container, just kind of like you would at home. And uh, I, I add fresh cut lemons and golden raisins, and wow. so the raisins raisins and are the base of the wine, and then uh, the the lemons add that acidity. So what it tastes like is is a, uh, a southern sweet tea with quite a bit of lemon you know all wine needs some sort of acid to balance it out and so that's how that works so that's that was a really really popular wine uh, when we have it in stock and i'm working on a new batch of that as well as i'm going to be introducing a peach tea wine mm, so we're about to have peach and sweet <laughs> you got it. something to look forward to a good way to get your <laughs> your tea and your uh, your wine fix all in one well uh yeah i know that a lot of these are are seasonal and you know you may or may not have them depending on the time of year what uh, what wines uh, do you have in stock at the present time that we can choose from sir so starting from sweetest down to the driest we have a sangria uh, which is a blend of, of three different fruits. Uh, we have Concord, plum, and cherries. Mm. Uh, and so actually that was a gold medal winner at last year's uh, wine competition. Uh, and it, that is the sweetest one that we have on the list right now. We have a tepache, tepache. which is, is a Mexican style pineapple wine. So there are no grapes in that either, but it, it is a spiced pineapple wine that has ginger, clove, vanilla bean, and that sort of thing. Uh, we have a Valvin Muscat, very similar to a Moscato, uh, sweet white wine. We have Gewurz, which we already spoke of. We have our Baco Noir, which is uh, harvested from our grapes on the property here. Used a very unique process to make that wine. And we have Shiraz, which is a dry red. Uh, we imported that juice from Australia because my oh. wife is half, she's half Australian. And then it was aged on Hungarian oak. She's also half um, Hungarian. So it's a, oh, a play on all of her heritage. <laughs> and uh, our big red blend, which you already mentioned, and the last one is Saval Blanc, which is a dry white wine aged in tequila barrels. Saval Blanc. So quite a, quite a selection for you folks to choose from. And you can taste 
these wines at any time in the tasting room, correct? Yes, we're open uh, Tuesday through Thursday. We're open 11 to 7. Fridays and Saturdays, we're open 11 to 8. And Sundays, open 1 to 5. Okay, so ample opportunity Tuesday through Sunday to uh, stop in there and taste some wine. Now, of the many wines, Derek, that uh, you've been privileged to concoct in recent years, I know it's a hard decision, but which ones are your main go-tos? And uh, what would you say makes these your favorites? I get I get asked this question all the time. You know what's what's good, right. or what, you know what's your favorite. You know, and, and and of course my answer is always all of them. You know, I'm I'm, I'm biased because I, I make them. Sure, but I, I will have to say uh, my wife and I do tend to drink wines on the drier side. With uh, you know for our, our daily glass of wine type of thing. So out of what we have produced. What we would go to uh, is probably our Shiraz, which is that uh, dry red aged in Hungarian oak, uh, the Sabal Blanc, which uh, is that dry white aged in tequila barrels, the Gewurz and Pinot Grigio, which we're sold out of the Pinot Grigio right now, but those are probably our top four that, that we sip on the most. I see. Well, so you're, you're a, a dry wine man, nothing wrong with that. And gosh, what's good? That's such a hard question to answer because that uh, that varies from person to person what they think is good, doesn't it? <laughs> it's you know it's a very very personal decision. And uh, what we love to do in the tasting room is talk to people about wine because there's so many people who don't know much about it, and so they're scared of it. And so we like to strip away that uh, that fear about talking about wine. And wine is what you love. It's not anything that anybody tells you. It's, you know, you don't have to like a specific thing with a specific thing. If you like to pair a, a white wine with, with a steak, that's what you should have, you know? But uh, so yes, we, we um, by nature of this business, we have uh, learned to appreciate many different styles of wine and we enjoy those, especially now so much more than what we used to. Yeah, and you can't be afraid to uh, experiment and try new things, can you? <laughs> No, that's what life is all about, man. You're supposed to, you're supposed to get out of your comfort zone. You're supposed exactly. to, uh, you know, be adventurous and <laughs> uh, you know, put your, put yourself through, uh, through a little bit of discomfort because that's that's living. That's life. Yeah, that's broadening your horizons, and uh, that's the whole point of the tasting room. So, <laughs> you know, definitely take advantage of that, folks. Now, uh, I know Derek that four afternoons a week, Traveler Cellar Winery hosts a heavenly happy hour for valued patrons. So uh, why don't you tell us exactly when we can partake in these happy hours and enlighten us on uh, the uh, sip-worthy specials we can sample during these time frames. Yeah, everything, on, everything that's on our wine list is available uh, for happy hour. So Tuesday through Friday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., we offer wine by the glass for $3.75, which it's normally $5. So it's a good discount there. Oh, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time frame. We're starting to see a lot of traffic during that time because they want to take advantage of that special. And why not? You know, you know right, after, uh, right after work, have a glass, head on home and enjoy the rest of your evening but yeah there you go yeah quit quitting time is right in the middle of that four to six window so <laughs> that uh, that works perfectly so go in there tuesday through friday between four and six and 
enjoy a glass of wine, a buck 25 off its normal price. So that's a, certainly quite an incentive. Now, Derek, in addition to the ever popular happy hour, Tuesday through Friday, the winery is home to numerous other enjoyable events throughout the year, particularly in warm weather season. So uh, give us an overview, if you would, of the the special activities hosted by a traveler seller on a frequent basis. Yeah, Sam, we, last year we hosted uh, 53 events on the property. We were very, wow. very busy. And you that? know, since we're an outdoor event venue space, we are dependent on having nice weather. Sure. Uh, so so out, of, uh, out of those 53 events, we hosted all sorts of things, which we are planning for this year as well. And we're right in the middle of our are scheduling for uh, 2022. But last year we had opera nights in the vineyard. We had professional opera singers come out and uh, in the midst of the vines at night with the lights lit up, it's beautiful. It's, it's a really romantic setting for, uh, for opera music. Good we had, night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, once a month we do murder mystery dinner parties where we have a chef come in and cater a three course meal um, and uh, we, there's a two and a half hour murder mystery, uh, and with your ticket comes a glass of wine and, and uh, that sort of thing. Those are so much fun and they sell out really quick. We have lots of live music and food truck events uh, several times a month. We have outdoor movie nights, paint and sip classes, design and sip classes. Uh, we're gonna, this year we're gonna have an arts and craft fair on the property in June. Um, and this year, we're also uh, going to do our barbecue competition, which we did last year. And it was a fundraiser for a veterans nonprofit organization that was so much fun. Uh, we're also, we also have stand-up comedy tours and sunset yoga classes. Sunset yoga. That sounds really neat. Now, do you need a judge for that barbecue cook-off, Derek? Now, I'm always needing judges. So, uh, <laughs> Sam, if you're if you're offering, you know, buddy, I'd love to have you out. I'm offering, and I'm a barbecue connoisseur. So you just <laughs> give me a ring, and I'll I'll come down there to judge. Now, have you ever have you ever had a wedding on the property? Just curious. Yes, uh, we had many weddings on the property. We already have uh, five scheduled for this year, um, and we've got a couple more in the works. So we are a venue, uh, and you can rent out spaces on the property. Uh, we have a, a barn that was built approximately when the house was it's about 126 years old. We've had some weddings in the barn. We've had some weddings up on the stage. We've had some weddings uh, just on the other side of the vines with, you know, overlooking the whole property. It's beautiful. See, so <laughs> plenty of reason to look into Traveler Cellar for your wedding. About how many people can that space accommodate? When it comes to people, we can easily hold 300 50 to 400 people where we, where it gets tricky is the vehicles right. <laughs> so it all depends on how many people is <laughs> riding in those vehicles but no comfortably vehicles and people uh 250 250 well that's awesome so just contact derek for more information uh via phone email whatever he'll be glad to help you uh make those uh, arrangements and accommodations for your uh upcoming weddings special events whatever they may be. Well, Derek, I have learned a lot and I know our listeners have as well. Now, before we let you go in 30 seconds or less, I don't have a stopwatch. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Give us your best sales pitch, sir, for uh, Traveler Cellar Winery as the perfect cure for anything and everything that ails us. 
Traveler Cellar Winery is a uh, mom and pop owned uh, small farm winery in the heart of uh, Western Kentucky that strives to produce quality uh, wines made with love. And we love to share our story about our wines and uh, the, our passion, which is winemaking. So uh, we, we love to meet everybody who comes through the door and we love sharing that story. Absolutely. So go meet Derek and uh, Desiree, make some friends and uh, taste some great wine Tuesday through Sunday at Traveler's Cellar. You can check them out online. It's travelerscellar.com. You can also find them uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And why don't let's give them that address there, Derek. We're located at uh, 3220 Fuquay Road, F-U-Q-U-A, in Rockfield, Kentucky, 42274. Fuquay Road. So uh, like he said, just about 10 minutes or so off 65 with signs all over the place. So you can't miss them. And uh, let's give them that phone number as well, sir. Yes, 270-846-9463. Awesome. They'd be glad to hear from you and better yet see you at uh, Traveler Cellar Winery in good old Rockfield, Kentucky. Well, Derek, thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Sam, I really appreciate you. This has been a lot of fun. I mean, to tell you, I can just taste that wine now. And Derek, I cannot wait to judge my very first barbecue cook-off. So y'all go down there, see what they're all about, and learn more about them on their website too, because I will link you there in my show notes. So you can log on and find out anything and everything you'd ever want to know about Derek and his wines and anything else for that matter pertinent to Traveler's Cellar Winery. And I sure appreciate Mr. Huff joining me today. He was quite informative and educational, and so was Doug Laramie, the head brewmaster from Henderson Brewing Company. Before we put the caps on another episode and get ready for next week's show, which, good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, will come your way on February the 9th, I do have the answer to the music-themed Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we brought you at the beginning of the show. And if you're a rock and roll freak, you probably think that the Kentucky bread band Exile was a one-hit wonder because of their smash single from 1978, Kiss You All Over. But no, they would later reestablish themselves as a country band and change their sound and enjoy a tremendous amount of success on the country charts. And I want to know... What was their first number one single after reinventing themselves as a country music band? And your answer, Woke Up In Love. Woke up in love with you. Oh, what a beautiful day. Okay, I'll quit. But I know that probably rings a bell, and that is from 1984. In fact... That was their first of 10 number one country music singles. And among some of the other number ones, you probably will recognize include She's a Miracle, I Don't Want to Be a Memory, and Give Me One More Chance. Give me, give me, give me just another try. I'm going to have to stop or I'm just going to 
randomly begin singing without being able to contain myself. Love me some exile. They are from the Lexington area. In fact, all of the original band members uh, reunited back in 2008. And from what I gather, they are still traveling and performing. So definitely a show worth seeing if you get the chance. Exile, their uh, very first number one single after reinventing themselves as a country band was Woke Up In Love from 1984. And again, that was their first of 10 number one country singles. So come on back, join me next week. In the meantime, shoot me an email, please. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com is your address. Also, be sure to like and follow the Facebook page. All of my previous shows are there. You can stay up to date with... Uh, Info on future programs as it's presented, make comments, leave messages, and you can also listen and subscribe to Blabbing in the Bluegrass totally, totally free of charge via four podcast directories. More on the way, but for now, you can hit us up on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Verbal. So please, please take advantage of those avenues. I never want to be without you when we get together. So until next time, you know your assignment. Keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep laughing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.